Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Due to a technical problem, we are unable to record the first few minutes of this talk. Pete read from Exodus 33, verses 1 to 3, which says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. They're going to have to become an agrarian culture. They're going to have to learn new technologies, new economic models to support themselves. Things are going to change as well politically. They're going to transition from Moses' leadership to Joshua's. Moses was kind of this mystical dude who liked climbing mountains and having encounters with God. And Joshua is more of a, you know, A-type, steak-eating, let's-go-fight-the-enemy type leader. In different seasons of life, God raises up different leaders. Things are also going to change for them culturally. They're going to go from being nomads to being people who have back gardens, a land. It's also going to change for them spiritually because God has been leading them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And whenever the pillar of cloud moves on, they move on. Whenever it stops, they stop. Just raise your hand if you think, I wish it was as easy as that still. Wouldn't that be handy? You say that now, but when you're living in a street you really like and the pillar of cloud moves on, you might not feel so happy. And it's, that's going to stop, and they're going to have to learn how to discern the voice of God and listen to the prophets and understand the law. And so uh, this is very important. In different seasons of life, God speaks to you in different ways. Some people say to me, I don't feel like God's speaking to me anymore the way he used to. And often it's because they've entered a new season and God is speaking to them in a new way. It's not that he stops speaking, it's just they haven't learned how to hear him for the new season. They're still thinking he will speak the way he did 10 years ago. My, my kids are now young men. And if I still talk to them the way I did when they were six years old, that wouldn't be good parenting. I wouldn't be preparing them or helping them to grow up. And so as we grow in our faith, God often speaks to us in different ways, different times, provides for us in different ways. There are times where it's going to be supernatural and dramatic, and there are going to be times it's going to be slow, and it's going to be through common sense and hard work. But in different seasons, different locations, God meets with us, speaks to us, leads us, provides for us in different uh, ways. And so this is transition at every level for the people of Israel. And God knows that the decisions we make at times of change are disproportionately important. I'm going to say that again because this is important you understand this. The, the, the decisions you make at times of transition are disproportionately important. People sometimes think, well, every decision I make counts. Well, yeah, but actually the decisions you make when you're at a moment of change will set the course for your life for years to come. And so if you are here today in a moment of transition, understand that the choices you will make have massive impact on the next season of your life. 
And because God knows this, and because the people of Israel are about to go through their biggest transition in a generation, he knows that their choices are very important. He decides to test their hearts. Because he knows that the single most important choice you can make in life, and certainly at a moment of transition, is this. To prioritize the presence of God. That is the most important, the most defining decision that you can make in your life. To put first things first. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff will come into life. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and all, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's why your prayer room there is so important. If you haven't booked your hour in there, do so. It's the most important thing you can do. Get in that prayer room. Prioritize the presence of God. You'll be amazed. I've been doing this now for almost 20 years. The number of times I go to the prayer room, say it's three in the morning, I'm grumbling all the way like this is a dumb idea. Whose stupid idea was this? Uh, And I only go because there's some poor soul in the prayer room that can't leave until I arrive. It's nothing to do with God. It's just like I don't want to be like shamed. And and I wander in, and I've got a busy day ahead, and I'm going without sleep. And then there's someone who's got coffee breath who prays for me, and then they go home, and I'm alone in a room with God in the middle of the night. And nine times out of ten, God meets me in incredible ways. And generally, I don't want to go home at the end of the hour because I'm having such a great time with God. You shouldn't be surprised by that, by the way, because the Bible says, God says in the Bible, um, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And if you say to me, well, how do I know when I'm seeking God with all my heart? The answer is 3 a.m. <laughs> simple. It's simple. Jesus often prayed at night, by the way. So if you don't sometimes pray at night, you're missing something that Jesus considered essential. Just throwing that out there for you. Just leave it hanging. But I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that um, Jesus had more struggles than you did. Maybe you don't need to sometimes pray at night. So... Um, So, so, and, and, and you know, when you get in the prayer room, uh, you, 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 you can use it in all sorts of different ways. You, you can uh, get your Bible open and read it. You can uh, make a list and pray through stuff that's on your heart. You can write on the walls. You can put on worship music. You'd be amazed how quickly the hour can go in that place. God tests our heart. Our nation... The United Kingdom is in a time of massive transition at the moment. So the question is, will we prioritize the presence of God? Interesting that two weeks ago, Crispin Blunt MP tried to say we must remove prayers from the House of Parliament. It's interesting, time of transition, they're trying to remove prayer from the center of government. Bad ideas, the Bible. (laughs) Uh, It may be that in this church, you're going through transition as you try and work out who should your new leader be. Uh, and so it's a key time to think about the presence of God. It may be in your own life at the start of this year. Maybe you look at 2019 and, 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 and there's a lot of change coming. Maybe you're getting married this year. That's a big change. Maybe you're going to have kids this year. Who knows that that's the real change? 
Everything changes. Maybe your kids are leaving home. Maybe there's a geographical move this year. Maybe you've got a professional change. You're moving jobs. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've got a scary health diagnosis this year. Maybe you're preparing to retire. There can be all sorts of transitions ahead of you this year. Listen, when you're at a time of change, God will come alongside you to test your heart to see whether you're still putting first things first. Amen? So that's what we're seeing here in this passage. When Sammy and I first got married, um, we met a lovely guy called Paul who's um, dealing a lot of drugs and, uh, and taking a lot of drugs. And uh, he was addicted. And we led him to Jesus. He came to know the Lord. And we, I, was trying to, I was meeting with him regularly, trying to sort of disciple him. But it wasn't working very well because he was still living in a house where everyone else was doing drugs. And so eventually we realized he needed to move into our house and live with us to help him get his, his head together. Um, we sang that song earlier, my chains fell off and I'm free. And, and if you're in any kind of chains, you're in any kind of addiction, you're in, something's controlling your life, I want to tell you very clearly there is freedom in Jesus Christ. This has been working for billions of people for 2,000 years. You can be set free. There's no pornographic addiction. There is no uh, dependency on drugs. There, there's no food addiction that can hold you. But it is a process. Ephesians says it is for freedom that we have been set uh, free. And so Jesus frees us, our chains fall off, then we have to learn how to live in freedom. And often we need each other, we need discipleship, we need help uh, with that. And uh, so we, we said to Paul, come and live with us and we'll help you walk in, in freedom. And uh, it was brilliant. And we, we, we began to help him to, to, to live free of drugs. And a little while, a few weeks into this process, actually a few months in this process, Paul's dad died. Um, Paul's from Birmingham originally, and he d- wanted to go back and see his stepmom, who, um, you know, obviously lived in a house with, with, with his dad. Uh, his dad was a car mechanic. There wasn't going to be some big inheritance or anything like that, but we knew this was going to be like a, a vulnerable emotional time for Paul, and he was going through his own difficult stuff. He went back, and his stepmom said to him, Paul, would you like something to remember your dad by? And he said, yeah, I'd love that. So she said, why don't you just go upstairs? You can choose anything you want to remember him by. So Paul goes upstairs. And in the end, he decided that he would choose a sweater uh, to to remember his dad by. So he, he had this sweater. And whenever he wore it, like he was having a moment feeling close to his, his 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 dad and we used to like you know if he was wearing the sweater it was like oh Paul you know give him a hug and so we didn't like to tell him it didn't suit him at all like it was a bit tight it looked weird on him to be honest but you know and then his stepmom came down to visit us and Paul said I know do you think she'd like it if I wore the sweater and we said yeah that would be nice so she's downstairs drinking a cup of tea in our living room he's upstairs getting the sweater on he comes into the room she takes one look at him and she says Paul what are you doing wearing my sweater I've been looking for that for weeks. The idiot had gone to the wrong wardrobe. (laughs) All this time, he's been feeling this, I'm so close to my dad. He's just wearing a woman's jumper. The deal is this, we do that, all of us, all of the time. 
We have stuff that makes us feel close to the Father in heaven. That's, shall we say, a little removed, a little misguided. We trade off other people's stories of faith. We trade off other people's sacrifices. We think, well, if I go to that conference or I do that thing, then somehow that means I'm close to the Father. And the Father stands there in heaven looking down at you, running around doing all this stuff. And, and the Father says to the Son, what are they so busy doing down there? And the Son says, I don't know. I think it's Christianity. And the Father says, are we into Christianity? And Jesus says, not really. And, and, and the Father goes, I'd, I'd love to spend some time with them. Jesus says, I know, me too, but they seem awfully busy. Um, and and uh, Holy Spirit, can you help? Well, I have to attend every single meeting they have because you promised I'd show up. And, and, and you know... And, and then eventually the father goes, hello, 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 hello down there. So I know it's terribly important, all that stuff you're doing. But at some point, like when you've got a spare moment, could, could we just cut out the middleman and you and me just talk? Like one-on-one, just you and me. And the truth is that all this Christianity thing boils down to you and God's. And a real relationship between the two of you and everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. On the last day, many people will say, look at all the stuff we did. All the sermons we preached, the demons we cast out, the sick we healed, the projects we launched. And Jesus will say, get away from me. I never knew you. We must know the Father And that means walking with him and talking with him as friends. Choose the presence of God. It's possible to enter the promised land and lose the promise giver. It's possible to get all your prayers answered and somehow lose the Lord in that process. And so when God comes alongside you and says, What if I answer all your prayers, but you're never going to know me again the way you do right now? What do you say? Because that's what's happening in this story. And and if if you kind of grew up in church and you went to Sunday school and stuff, you you immediately, you know, you always say the right thing. Oh, I choose Jesus. But really, honestly, would you? I mean, just imagine this. I don't know what all your prayer requests are. Let's just say that um, you wake up tomorrow morning. And um, first of all, you, you get an email um, from a friend you've been praying for for years to say, last night an angel appeared to me. I've realized I need to know Jesus Christ. I've given my life to the Lord. So you think, great. And then you open the post and you find out that a relative you didn't know has died and left you five million quid. And you think, this is, this is really quite an encouraging breakfast, you know. <laughs> And then you go into work and your boss says, can I see you? And they say, I've been so impressed with you, I've decided to give you a, a treble promotion. You think this, is, this, is, this day is going, I mean, it keeps going, you know, and it, all your prayers get answered. But you're never, but God says, I'll do all that for you, but you're never going to know me the way you do right now. What do you say? And the truth is you probably would say, Lord, Unless your presence goes with us, don't send us up from here. But it's not as easy or as automatic as we might like to make out. 
And conversely, what if God says to you, I'm really sorry, there's reasons I'm, you're not going to be able to understand right now, but you're going to have to live with some unanswered prayers for the rest of your life. But I promise you, you'll know me. You'll have me with you. What will you do? We always want God to airlift us out of all of our problems. We call those miracles. And sometimes he does those. But more often than not, he parachutes in and he joins us in the midst of our problems. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. It's the presence of God that even amongst unanswered prayer and suffering and difficulty, God is with us. Okay. I'm going to get really practical now. How do you do this? How do you prioritize the presence of God really practically? Because there's some keys in this passage. And the first one is really surprising. If we read verses 4 to 6, when the people heard these distressing words, the distressing words are that God's not going to come with them into the promised land, it says, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people, and if I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. What is that? What what on earth's going on? What what are these ornaments? Well, they're ornaments, they're jewellery. Right, they're nomadic people. It's earrings and bracelets and necklaces and all that stuff. Where have they got that stuff from? Egypt. This is the wealth they've managed to smuggle out of Egypt. Because <coughs> there's not a lot of that stuff in the wilderness. So they're carrying around this jewellery. Now they're not good with jewellery. because, And their jewellery is just their wealth. Because if you read the previous chapter, whilst Moses is up the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, they've taken their jewellery and what have they done with it? They've made a golden calf. By the way, let's just pause here. Isn't it nice that here we have a major sin in the Bible that probably none of us have ever struggled with? The temptation to make a golden calf. Has anyone here ever? Is that like a word for anyone? <laughs> But anyway, so they've they've melted down their jewelry. They made a golden calf. Now they've clearly somehow got their jewelry back again. Uh, they imagine they sort of chipped off the calf's ear and made it back into a bracelet. Oh, that's a nice bracelet. That looks like a calf's ear. No, no, never been near. And <laughs> you know, so they've got their jewelry back again. Jewelry for the people of Israel isn't wrong because they've got it back again. It's just risky. It's one of those sort of, it's that stuff that's just vulnerable for them. And there are many things I want to suggest in our lives that aren't intrinsically wrong, but we know in our own lives they are risky for us. And there are times in our life it's fine, but there are times in our lives, times of transition, times of important choice, we may choose to lay them down in order to make space to prioritize the presence of God. And so for the Israelites, it is their jewelry that they lay down to choose God. I wonder what that is for you could be screens. There are times in my life where I, I say, do you know, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm going to unplug from the TV and, from, and even from the internet other than for work stuff uh, for a season because I just want, you'd be amazed how much time that creates, by the way. Anyone here got an iPhone? 
you, you know that thing that you get now where it says how much screen time you've had? Who here is ever a little convicted by that? And, and people say to me, oh, I don't have enough time to pray. I'm like, okay, pass me your iPhone. Let's just see how much screen time. They're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Or, or, or sometimes we can have relationships in our life that aren't wrong in any way at all, but they're vulnerable for us for different reasons, unhelpful to us, and we may need to just step back from them for a season if we're prioritizing the presence of, uh, of God. Or, or, or maybe for some of us, um, the, the, it's busyness. We can be addicted just to doing stuff all the time so we don't have enough space to really seek God and prioritize him. We're not good at saying just no to stuff. I don't know what it is for you, but Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Are there hindrances? Are there entanglements? Are there there things that aren't wrong in themselves, but they're just risky for you that you need to lay down to prioritize the presence of God at a time of transition? The next key, so that's the first one, deny distractions. The next key is this, verses 7 to 11. It is about prioritizing prayer. So we read this beautiful thing, it says, of, of Moses. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, and he called it the tent of meeting, catchy. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose, and they stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Wow. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses. This is one of the loveliest verses in the Bible. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. They built a prayer room. And... And when Moses went in there, they would be like, Moses is meeting with God. And they'd stand to attention. Joshua, their new leader, was being trained by spending time in the prayer room all the time. Whenever anyone needed help from God, they would make an appointment. They'd book a slot in the prayer room. So the next way that we prioritize the presence of God is to prioritize prayer. And he invites us to walk and talk with him as friends. And um, my friend Dave was just telling me the most beautiful little story of a, a lovely local lady who, uh, called Ethel, uh, who, 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 who knew how to walk and talk with God as a friend. And Dave, I just want you to come and share this now. This is just, I just heard this this morning. This is lovely. This is Dave Clark, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, we had um, the privilege of knowing this lady, Ethel. She was uh, in her 80s. I grew up with her. She came to Sunday lunch. She didn't have any family. But she just shone. You know, one of these people who have faces that you just think there's something about them. She had real joy and peace about her. She said to me, I pray for you every day. And as I was growing up, I didn't really uh, think much about it. Um, When she was older, um, she unfortunately got knocked down. Um, and we, uh, my brother and I, had to go and uh, sort a house out. 
and what a privilege it was. We went into a front room. She had um, a table there. And on the table, she had prayer requests that she was praying, praying through. So a 30-day folder with every day of the month she was praying for things. And she sat there all day praying. She had uh, she lived in a council house in Burnage, um, had um, very little money. In fact, when she died, she had £37 to her name. And Ethel, um, on the day she died, we she had a shopping bag. She was knocked down on Kingsway. Some people know that. And we went through everything. So we had to go through a shopping bag. And she had a list, shopping list. And the list said, honey, lemons, Lord, make me more gracious today. Flower, Lord, give me an opportunity to speak to someone today. And so on. That was a shopping list. Um, we went upstairs to a bedroom and on her table next to her bed she had a big watch of um, registers, Sunday school registers. Over all the years she taught um, children and open on the day was my name. Now it's a lady who loved um, Jesus so much she just wove him into her life. Amazing privilege, eh? But isn't it, wouldn't it be great to be like that? More people. She's a hero, I think, of the faith, isn't she? Awesome. Thank you. There's loads more we could say about prayer, but I know you're doing the prayer course. Some of you are probably sick and tired of uh, hearing from me about prayer. You, you can find out there, or you can read the books. But the most important thing I want to say is learn to be like Ethel. Learn to be like Moses. Walk and talk with God as a friend. Speak with him face to face. Your prayer life is at its best. Not when you're praying about the really big things occasionally, but when you're praying about the small things continually. Shopping list prayers. Chatting to God through the day. Finally, you still with me? Turn to the person next to you and say, your breath smells great. Go. Finally, I've said that we need to deny ourselves some distractions. We need to prioritize prayer. And the final thing is this. We see in this passage the most beautiful thing in Moses' heart. This is, in a way, the thing more than anything that just moves the heart of God and says, I'm coming with you. Verses 12 and 13. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people but you haven't let me know who you'll send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. Listen, Moses, an old man, he could have stood there and gone, God, you may remember me. I'm kind of a big deal around here. I'm Moses. I am the burning bush guy. I am the Red Sea guy. I am the Ten Commandments guy. I've learned a thing or two. Some of you here have been Christians 50 years. You've seen a thing or two. You've learned a thing or two. With all due respect, Moses is in another league. He could have played that card. But here he is as an old man and his heart before God is teach me your ways. His heart is still hungry to learn. There's still something humble within him saying, I don't know nothing. Teach me. Speak to me. I want to know your ways. 
And so if the first way that we prioritize the presence of God is to lay some stuff down to make some space. And the second way is we prioritize prayer and we just reboot our living conversation with God. The final way is that we say, God, speak to me, teach me, I want to know your ways. And, and, and it might mean reading a Christian book or listening to a, a podcast would be helpful. It might mean going to someone in this church, this church is full of people who are wise and know the Lord and saying, can we have coffee? And I'd just like to ask you questions. The way Dave is talking about Ethel, you, there are people like Ethel in this building right now. Get with them, learn from them and draw down from them them. Teach me your ways that I might know you. Stay hungry. That's it. Let's get the band back, shall we? By the way, Joel, you've got a great voice. Brilliant job, isn't he? Let's just take a, let's just take a moment now, shall we? You've heard lots of words, but what's the one thing that God is saying to you today? Are you in a time of major transition? Did he bring you here this morning just to say to you, choose me? Maybe you're not sure if you're a Christian here today. And I'm just here to say the best choice you will ever make is Jesus. He will never let you down. He's all good news. To know Jesus is to find out why you're really alive. Give your life to Jesus. You won't always have all, you won't know all, all, all the answers ever. You'll always have questions, but when you know him, whether life turns out great or whether it's really difficult, you'll have a friend who'll stick closer than a brother. Choose Jesus. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. Maybe for some of us here today, that there are specific things we know that we just need to lay down for a bit in order to choose the presence of God, make space for him. Maybe some of us, we are a bit too busy. This afternoon, we just need to cancel a couple of, couple of things in our schedule. Maybe just, maybe to make some time to get in the prayer room this week. Maybe to go have coffee with someone that you want to learn from. Maybe to make space to read something that will teach you the ways of the Lord. So Lord, I pray for this church at this time of transition. I pray your rich blessing on Point and Baptist Church. Thank you for all that you have done in and through this church over the years. But I thank you, Lord, that you're calling upon this community future is greater than anything it's seen in its past. Thank you, Lord, for the way that people are coming to know you here. And I ask that as they seek you with all their hearts in that prayer room, that you would move in even greater power. We pray, Lord, for the day where they just can't fit all the services in this building. We pray, Lord, for churches to be planted out of this church, for ministries to come out of this church. We pray, Lord, for music to be made in this church to be sung all around the country. Lord, we pray that you would do something beyond anything we can ask or imagine in this church for it is to the Father's glory that they bear much fruit.
maybe some people here today that there's just a very specific sense that God's been speaking to you. You know that there are things that you need to lay down. Little space that you need to create to prioritize God's presence. Maybe you're in a time of great transition, as I've said. And you just need to put a marker in this morning to say, yeah, I choose the presence of God. Whether I get the promotion or not, whether I get healed or not, as I step into this new season of life, I choose the presence of God. And so I just want to give an opportunity for those who'd like to do so to put that marker in with God this morning. And this isn't for everyone, but I know it's going to be an important moment for some. Just to um, stand where you are right now, and this is between you and God, and say, God, I choose your presence. And you know what you're going to be needing to lay down. You know what that's going to look like for you, but you're, you're just wanting to put that marker in. So those who'd like to do so, just stand where you are now as a response to say, I choose the presence of God. It's not for everyone, but I know it is for some. Tell the Lord what it is. Maybe if there's something you're needing to lay down. Maybe if it's just a simple decision to get in the prayer room. Maybe it's this, teach me your ways. You realize you've got a little hard-hearted. Just saying, Lord, soften my heart like Moses. I don't really know anything. Teach me your ways. those who are standing, I just want to invite you if you feel comfortable doing this, just hold your hands out in front of you to receive from the Lord. And those you've all got someone standing near you, would you just stretch out a hand towards those who are standing? Let's pray for each one of these. It's beautiful to see so many people just saying up, choosing the presence of God in this season of life. Let's just bless them now. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for the way you're moving in this building and we pray that you would come and fill each one who's standing powerfully with your presence now. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you to come and fill them with the presence of God. Just sensing for someone here that scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength and there's really sensing the need for strength and he, he, said he wants to bring fresh joy into your life. There's just been a heaviness contesting around joy and so Lord we ask for the, your joy to come in this moment. We thank you Lord that when we take one step towards you, you come running towards us. So, Lord, for each of these people standing, I ask that this coming week be a time of multiple encounters with you. You'd meet with them. You'd speak to them. You'd draw alongside them. They'd become aware of you at the strangest times. You'd surprise them this week. 
Let there be moments they kind of shake their head and almost laugh at the ways you've spoken and come alongside them. I pray for a release of dreams and visions. For some people, Lord, I know that you are beginning to speak to them in new ways for the new season. Give them ears to hear what you're saying, I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together and we're going to worship. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.